0: your prayers. Um, Most of you know that my dad was sick, and I traveled last week to Ireland. We were able to get him home safe and sound, and my mother is very happy. Um, And, you know, I was thinking about him, and it reminded me of my spiritual heritage. And it really made me think a lot my dad's quite the soldier, he's 85, and just a, a couple of weeks ago, he, he finished a series of gospel meetings, preaching every night for nine weeks, and uh, he's just got a lot of energy, and you know, I was thinking that they don't make them like they used to. <laughs> I, I grew up in, a, in an era, we'll say, when men with passion... Men with Power Preach the Gospel. And it really made me think, my dad's been preaching the gospel for 63 years. And um, I grew up listening to men that, you know, had had power with God when they preached the gospel. And they were very clear and very plain. And the word of God was spoken in a very direct way. And I, I was just thinking as I thought about my dad and my heritage that, I really wish that I could preach like that. You know, we we really need to hear the voice of God when we open the Scriptures, and so my desire is to do that today. Um, my topic that I'm going to share with you is Romans chapter seven, and I've called it the struggle with sin. It's something that every one of us have in common. We all struggle with sin. And so I'm going to invite you to open the scriptures, first of all, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 23. This is such a fundamental gospel verse in the book of Romans that I, I really just couldn't pass over it without focusing on it. It says in Romans 6 and verse 23 For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now let's turn over to chapter 7. We're going to read at verse 14. We're going to read Romans 7, verse 14 to 25. And this really is the struggle of sin. Paul says, for... We know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Ever experienced that? I do. And I think if we're honest, we all have this struggle. That when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then he says, O wretched man that I am! Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Now we can't stop reading there. We have to go to chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, I've been doing a study on the book of Romans, and... Romans is a book of doctrine, probably one of the most fundamental books in your Bible concerning the doctrine of the gospel. And as we've progressed through these chapters, a number of things that we've learned, let me summarize them for you. Number one, righteousness comes from God alone. Not from within us. There is nothing that any one of us could do to produce our own righteousness before God. That's number one. Number two, all humanity is guilty and condemned, each for our own sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 20 that every mouth should be stopped and all the world stand guilty before God. That's a, that's a very humiliating position to actually be in. But it's very true. That's what the Bible teaches. All humanity is guilty, condemned already. Now, here's the truth of the book of Romans. God justifies guilty sinners. That's amazing. Yes, condemned sinners that are guilty before God. They can be made right. They can be justified. And it is by grace alone, which means it's undeserved. And it is through faith alone that a person is justified. Nothing that we can do to add to it. It is the acceptance of a gift from God by believing in Jesus Christ. And this gift that is offered is all on the grounds of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Not on any other ground, It is because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that God can offer forgiveness of sins. Now, here's something else that the book of Romans teaches us all humanity is responsible. We are without excuse. We are responsible before God. We have free will. And therefore, we have accountability before God. You can choose to continue your life in sin, or you can accept God's free gift of salvation and have everlasting life. And so, I want to focus on this beautiful gospel verse here for a moment. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You could say that this verse is a summary statement of the book of Romans. We are all guilty, and there will be wages that God is going to pay for our sin. But there is a ransom, the rescue from heaven, the gift of God Jesus Christ, the cross, and his resurrection offers a free gift. It is very plain, very plain. Could I put it this way? Surrender to Jesus Christ or suffer the wages of your sin. That's the option. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ or suffer The wages of your sin eternally. Accept his free gift or feel the load of your sin forever. It's not a question on whether or not I have sinned. Everyone here has sinned. Everyone here is guilty. We have all broken God's law and we we fall short of the standard of the glory of God. But the good news of the gospel is all your sin can be forgiven. You can be washed, just like we were singing today. There is a place where mercy reigns and never dies, where streams of grace flow deep and wide. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us from all all sin. There is enough power in the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse every sin that has ever been committed in all the history of humanity. I believe that with all my heart. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. But could I say this very, very passionately? I'd like to say this to every one of you. Don't miss this gift. You know, I believe that there are people that go to churches every week and they're religious and they really don't have a relationship with God. They're basically going through the motions and they have never stopped to repent of their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ alone. And they think they're okay. But they're going to die in their sins, and they're going to experience the judgment of God forever. And I am pleading with everyone in this church that sits here and hears the word of God. Repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. You cannot afford to miss this gift. Because if you miss it, the moment you die, you will suffer the vengeance of the wrath of God in a place called hell forever and ever. And that's very clear and very plain in Scripture. And because we love you and want to reach out to you with compassion, there's people that need to wake up and they need to realize that the wrath of God is hovering over their head. That's what it says in John chapter 3 and verse 36. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. He that does not believe on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on them. It's a very precarious place to be in. It's a very dangerous position to know the truth of God. And never repent of your sin and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're sitting here today and that's you, I counsel you today, get alone with God, get down on your knees, confess your sin to God, repent, and believe in Jesus Christ so that you can be forgiven, cleansed, washed. The wages of sin is death. The theme of the book of Romans is sin brings death. It's the destiny of all mankind. You remember that it says in Romans chapter 5 that the reason we're going to die is because we have sinned. But another great theme in the book of Romans is there is hope. There is hope which maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. You can be made righteous before God. And it is a gift. It is the eternal gift of God. Why does it say eternal? Because you can't lose it. It is forever. Once you come to God and you come clean and you say, oh God, I am a sinner. I am coming to you. Please cleanse me of all my sin. And you honestly and sincerely accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. You have eternal life and you will never perish. It is the gift that God gives The wages of sin is death. Let me talk to you just briefly about sin. Sin is an awful thing. Sin is pervasive. It infiltrates all of our members, our mind, our faculty, our body, everything that we do. Sin is pervasive. Let me tell you one other thing about sin. Sin is lethal. It's poison. And every time your passions and lusts causes you to commit sin, it produces a poison, a spiritual poison that will infiltrate every part of your being, and it will destroy you. Sin is universal. Every person, every nation, every tribe on this planet has been infected by sin, and sin is terminal. It's worse than COVID. Sin is terminal. Sin will bring death. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches the origin of sin, and we could go to Romans 5 and 12 that says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death came because of sin, and death has passed upon all men, for all have sinned. That's the origin of sin. You know what it says in 1 Corinthians 15? In Adam, all die. Every single person in Adam, all die. The federal head of humanity. There's a struggle with sin. And sin actually reigns unto death. That's what it says in Romans 5 and verse 21. That sin reigns until it brings you down. Sin reigns unto death. But righteousness can reign forever unto the glory of God. Praise God for that. The struggle of sin. You know what? It's a struggle of pleasure and payment. That's what it is. We all have had pleasure in sin. And it, 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 it looks good, it tastes good, it feels good at the time. But afterwards, it bites you with remorse. And with regret, and it will destroy your life. And no one here is exempt. It's the nature of sin. It is deceptive. It is destruction. I could turn over to James chapter 1 and verse 15, and here's what it would say. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Lust, when it hath conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings death. And every single one of us have experienced this struggle of sin. Lust produces sin. Sin, when it's finished, brings death. The wages of sin is death. You know, people don't believe this. I go out on the street. And, and we preach that sin is going to destroy your life. And like Warren knows, people walk up and down the streets and they, they are so proud of their sin. And they flaunt it like it's awesome. Could you imagine what these people are going to feel like when they hit the pillar of death and they wake up in hell and they have their faculty and they remember all the times that they flaunted their sin, and now they will be suffering the wages of their sin. Let me get off that and get on to something very positive. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the power of the gospel. So check this out. The wages of sin is death. Romans is a book that's very black and white. There's not a whole lot of gray in it. So on this side of the verse, sin and death is what comes to every human being unless you accept the free gift of God. How much you got to pay for it? It's free. Free. What do you got to do to earn it? It's free. You can't earn it. It's a gift. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. It's by grace. But it is offered to whosoever will. Are you a whosoever? The Bible closes with this amazing verse. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a Come! Let him take the water of life freely. This gift of God is free to you. Cost God his son. Cost God everything, but it is free to you. And it comes because of the cross. You know there is no greater theme in the Bible than the cross of Jesus Christ. It's God's answer to sin it is the place where mercy reigns you don't deserve it it's the place that grace flows deep and wide it is the place that you can come today and every day and afresh enjoy the virtues of the precious blood of Christ have you sinned against God I know you have so have I We've all sinned against God. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I love that song. We sing it every Friday night. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? There's nothing that can take away your sin other than the precious blood of Christ. It is a gift. There are two scriptures that say very clearly that a man is not justified by works. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. You can read it. It says, we conclude that a man or a person is not justified by works. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. It says again that a man is not justified by the works of the law. So this, this amazing gift that God has for every single person is absolutely free, but it costs God, his well-beloved son, who suffered on the cross for your sins and for mine. This is a tremendous cost. And you know what? We mentioned some beautiful thoughts this morning at the Lord's Supper. And one thought that came up was the atonement. I love that thought that David shared with us about pitch. I never knew that. That root word of pitch is connected to the root word of atonement. And those of us who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, we are covered, completely covered. We are sealed. We have security. We have an ark of safety. It is Jesus Christ. There's nothing more beautiful than that. This work that Jesus did on the cross, let me tell you, it is once for all time. It will never have to be repeated. And the holy, righteous claims of God that would have put me in hell and the lake of fire forever was exhausted on the Lord Jesus Christ. He bore my burden at Calvary He was punished for my sin. He paid the ransom price so I could be delivered. I was thinking about my heritage again, and there's this gospel hymn book. It's a beautiful hymn book, and there's great truth in this. I sat down, and I was reading this. Let me share with you a hymn that the words of this hymn are, they're, they're so vital to understanding this truth. Here's what it says. Settled forever, sin's tremendous claim, glory to Jesus, blessed be his name. No partway measures does his grace provide, finished the work was when the Savior died. Settled forever, sin's tremendous claim, glory to Jesus, blessed be his name. And then the second verse says this. Settled forever, fear not then to trust your soul upon him, even as you must. On Calvary's cross, the claims of God were met. Settled forever, all my grievous debt. Could I ask everyone here today, have you settled the sin question in your life? Have you been to Calvary by faith? Have you trusted Jesus Christ? This is the best gift that anyone could ever have. And if you miss it, you are going to miss out for eternity. This is tremendous truth. So as we go to chapter 7, I want to talk a little bit about this struggle that we all have with sin. You know, it's surprising to a lot of people that after they actually are converted, they still struggle with sin. Maybe that's not surprising to you. But if you're a new Christian and you've recently come to Jesus Christ and you've accepted his gift of salvation, all your troubles don't go away. You are delivered forever from the penalty of your sin, but you will still struggle with sin. And so I think that's one of the reasons that Paul wrote this passage in Romans chapter 7. And there's great teaching here. And so I just want to highlight some of the things that Paul has said. Well, number one, we as believers are not under the law. That's what he says. We are not under the law, but we are under grace. So what does that mean? The law can no longer condemn believers because Jesus Christ bore the curse of the law when he died on the cross, and he bore it for you, and he bore it for me. So the law no longer condemns us. However, it does convict us. Because on our conscience, the law says, Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. And when we actually do these things, it triggers a conscience within us, and it convicts us. The law will convict us, but it will never deliver us. It's just going to condemn us. We are under grace and Jesus Christ has paid the debt of our sin, and so we are free from the penalty of sin, but we are still convicted by the law. The law was designed to be our schoolmaster to actually lead us to Christ. And so when Christ came, he suffered the curse of the law on behalf of all of us. And we are free from the penalty of the law, but we still struggle with this propensity to sin. Believers who walk in the power of the Spirit can overcome sin. And you know what? Um, In the book of Romans, there's two words for servant. And if if you look at these two words, I don't really know anything about Greek, but like David said this morning, I've benefited from scholars. And if you look at these two words, One word is a servant that is obligated. They are sold under sin and they are obligated. Another word for servant is a bond slave. And that is one who is willing to serve. And so the truth of the Bible is this. You will either serve sin with an obligation and you'll be a servant and a slave to sin. Or you will surrender your life to Jesus Christ, and you will be a willing bond slave of Jesus Christ. So who are you serving? Are you serving sin, or are you serving Jesus Christ? Because those are only our options. There's no middle ground. And so the truth that I learned from this is if me as a believer... If I'm not abiding in Jesus Christ, and if I'm not close to the Lord walking in the Spirit, I'm going to sin. Because there's no other choice. There's no neutral ground. You're either a servant of sin or a bond slave to Jesus Christ. And the gospel redeems us from that bondage. And we surrender our life to Jesus Christ. But in order for us to have power over sin, We must walk in the spirit. We must submit to the word of God and the Holy Spirit. There's an allegory in this chapter. And really, it's not about divorce and remarriage. If you look at the first four or five verses of Romans chapter 7, it's a picture, it's an illustration, it's an allegory. And what Paul is teaching from Romans chapter 7 is we are divorced from the law. And we are married to Jesus Christ. We are no longer under the obligation of the law because we are divorced from the law. We are married to Jesus Christ. We are united to Jesus Christ. And so, just read verse 6 for a second. Romans 7 and verse 6. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so we can serve in the new way of the Spirit and not the old way of the letter or the written code. We are not obligated to a law that binds us. We are free from that, and we are free to walk in Jesus Christ. The next thing that this chapter teaches is that the law, it exposes our sin, and it also, it deceives us. You know, there's the deception that many people fall into. Here's the deception that many people fall into. They think that if they try their hardest and they, they, they live a very good life and they try to keep the law, they expect that that will make them right with God. A lot of people think that. One of the tracks that we give out says, are you a good person? Everybody says they're a good person. Everybody says, well, you know, I do the best I can. I've never killed anyone. That's what people say. Um, I've never committed adultery. Um, You know, I'm not really a bad person. I'm not as bad as that person or this person or this person. But really what this passage is teaching is that the law exposes our sin. There's different volumes of sin you might say but the law exposes our sin and it shows us that we cannot keep that standard so a lot of people are surprised by this because they they try to live the very best life that they can and yet they still commit sin and so when you believe in Jesus Christ he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit but you still will struggle with sin Verse 14 to verse 25 is very, very descriptive, and, and it articulates a battle, a war that's being waged in the apostle's mind. You know, people would say, well, this can't be the apostle Paul. He, he, he didn't struggle with sin. I believe this is the apostle Paul talking about his own experience, and I think that if every one of us are truly honest, we all will struggle with sin. This passage describes believers that are in conflict with sin. And, you know, one thing that Paul said is super interesting. You remember the verse that Paul said? I think it's in Corinthians. He said, I die daily. I die daily. How am I going to live this Christian life? I need to die. How do I die? I need to die in Jesus Christ. And the truth of a victorious Christian life is Galatians 2 and 20. To actually see yourself as having been crucified with Jesus Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the power of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so the secret of overcoming sin is to walk in the Spirit and abide in Jesus Christ and see yourself as having died to sin and risen in a new life with Jesus Christ. That's the truth of Romans chapter 6. Know ye not that as many of you that were baptized into Jesus Christ... We're baptized into his death, risen with him in new life. We now have this this life that we can live with God. But I, I have to tell you, if you're not reading your Bible as a believer, and if you're not praying, and if you're not conscious of walking in Christ Jesus, you will not have power over sin. You will not. And every one of us, myself included, I speak to myself first, have fallen into this mode of thinking, this mode of life, where, you know, we we get occupied with all kinds of stuff. We get occupied with work. We get occupied with sports, with hockey. You know, we're surfing the internet. And all of a sudden, boom, we're defiled. It happens to us. And so we need to be very conscious of that. And David spoke a great word was it two weeks ago? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. You know what we do? We make provision for the flesh. And then we, we find it strange that we actually fall into sin. If we're going to be preserved in this struggle of sin, we have to see ourselves as God sees us. Died to sin in Christ, walking in the Spirit. So the way that Paul describes this is right here. This, this person who's in conflict with sin, he desires to obey God's commandments, and he hates his sin. Well, I'm going to say this, believers don't hate their sin, sorry, unbelievers don't hate their sin. They actually enjoy it, and they're not aware of what sin is doing in their life. But if you're a true believer, and you sin, there's a repulsion inside of you. You hate sin because you know it's wrong. You know it's against God. You're convicted by it. And so this is the process of a believer that's struggling with sin. Number one, he realizes that his own humanity is evil and he hates sin. He has no power over sin. The believer says, I know that in me dwelleth no good thing. That's in my flesh. And sometimes it's a surprise when they realize that even after conversion, they struggle with sin. Listen, you can be saved and secure and 100% sure of heaven, and you can struggle with sin because it's in our very nature. You will battle this enemy until the grave. You will battle sin to the grave. But... You can have power over sin by abiding in Christ, walking in the Spirit, filling your mind with the Scriptures, and and living in a life of communion and fellowship with God. Sheer determination or legalism or self-efforts are futile. They are completely useless. And Paul was writing to believers that were struggling with the law, And there's a lot of legalism today and people are saying, well, if I check this box and this box and this box, then I'll never sin. That is not correct. Because legalism or following a ritual or sheer determination, you don't even know your own nature. You don't have power over sin with anything within yourself other than surrendering your life to God and submitting to Jesus Christ. And so, He says that there's this war that's raging in the mind, evil desire, bringing me into captivity. Do you ever experience this? Am I the only one that experiences this? We all struggle with this battle because of the flesh, but we need to get in the right headspace. We need to focus on the right things. And then we will overcome sin. And so he he rounds up the end of this passage with frustration and lament. And he cries out, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? That's a really interesting verse. So expositors say that Paul, in his mind, had a visual of one of a common practice that Rome used to have when somebody murdered someone and they got their, their death sentence. They would literally take a corpse, the one that they killed, and they would chain it to that person that was alive. And they had to walk around with this corpse until eventually it corrupted that person and they both died. What a visual of a spiritual battle. Listen, God has given us the victory and the victory is in Jesus Christ. And the power of living a life over sin is walking in the spirit, reading the word of God, filling your mind with the right things so that you can overcome this, this wretched man. You know that um, the word deliver, actually in the Greek, is um, it has the connotation of being rescued from the battlefield. Okay, we're in a battle. And, and Jesus Christ has rescued us from that battlefield. And it's, it's a thought of pulling a wounded comrade out of the battle of danger and bringing them back and giving them treatments so that they can be healed. So if you've experienced sin in your life, there's good news for you. Jesus Christ is the healer. Jesus Christ is the rescuer. Jesus Christ is able to deliver you and give you power over sin, and it comes by abiding in him. Daily surrender yourself to Jesus Christ. Fill your mind with scripture visualize yourself as being crucified with Jesus Christ and dead to sin and alive to him in a new life, walking in the spirit. So, my um, last slide that I want to share with you is this. It is the power of the cross that has broken and destroyed the power of sin. The gift that God has for you is forgiveness. And it is eternal. It's something that will never, ever end. Forgiveness from the penalty of sin and freedom from the power of sin. When we get into Romans chapter 8, there's such a positive, triumphant note. And it says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus There's no condemnation. We sung that. Boldly, I approach your throne. Blameless. Now I'm running home. When condemnation grips my heart, what do I do? I go to the cross. I go to Jesus Christ to experience afresh the forgiveness. There's a work that God is doing in every believer. It's called the work of sanctification. And it is an ongoing work. It is God working in us to bring us closer in that relationship with God and give us power over sin. Be careful not to obstruct the work of God in sanctification. How can you obstruct the work of God in sanctification? By looking at the wrong things. By focusing your mind and attention on the wrong things by acting in a way that you know is wrong. Let the word of God fill your mind and surrender your life to God. And he says that in Romans 12 and 1. Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to the image of this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. And so I would just encourage us all today, if you struggle with sin, you know, I read Proverbs this past week and it says this. It says, he that covers his sin will not prosper but he that confesses and forsakes his sin will have mercy. And so if you have been convicted today about, you know, as we often are when we hear the word of God, about anything in your life that's not right with God, I would encourage you alone with God to confess and forsake your sin. Just come as you are. Come as you are with all your need and all your humility and just bow in the presence of God and say, Lord, I accept your mercy. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your cleansing. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe there's someone here today and you've never done that. Maybe there's someone here today and all of this is foreign to you. Could I encourage you today to just come as you are, wretched, blind, miserable, and doubting. Just come as you are and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. We are going to pray, and then we're going to sing that beautiful hymn, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God. I come. And as we sing this hymn, just think about your personal relationship with God. Maybe some of you have never come to Christ. Maybe you could come today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the Word of God. We thank you for our Savior. We thank you for the free gift of God, which is eternal life. We thank you for the cross. Thank you, Lord, for everyone that's gathered here. And I just pray that your Word would be truth to our souls and marrow to our bones and give us strength. And Lord, if there's any here today that are struggling in a battle with sin, that you would give them power to overcome. Remember that Jesus said, except you abide in me, you cannot bear fruit. And so Lord, I just pray that you would encourage us all today with this battle of sin. And Lord, if there's any that are not saved, that they would come today and believe your son for salvation. And so we just commit us all to you and ask your blessing upon us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.